this is what you are. You're a vessel for the end of the world and you can you can't do anything about it. next door and we don't want to bother anyone with our personal problems or very existence psych we do <laughs> yeah we want to bother everybody we want to bother um, everybody about it um welcome to ghouls next door <laughs> the film uh, media literacy podcast and show where we explore the real life historical and happening right outside reasonings behind our cinematic fears and we are in the midst of our f the patriarchy series and we're talking about a film that pops up all the time when people think about uh horror having uh like social <laughs> like having social themes and covering issues about people like everyone always thinks rosemary's baby and it's a film that's you know full of controversy for a lot of reasons yeah. uh and is not our favorite yeah i mean yeah <laughs> when is, okay there, it does happen it does happen that sometimes a film will be our favorite uh but I would say it is a rare occurrence and is usually like a magical unicorn that appears and you're like, wow, this wasn't that. Well, <laughs> if you think about like the, it was kind of dubbed like the queer Rosemary's Baby, Lyle, mm -hmm. that we covered in our queer horror. That was one of our favorite films. We genuinely enjoyed that one. Yeah, I did really like that one. And it was like the same, it, it was a, very much the same as the Rosemary's same. Baby, yeah. uh, but done really well in a way and shorter yeah. and significantly less problematic <laughs> yeah. uh, creators messaging etc yeah it's uh, like that's why like a remake you know kind of where it does a good job whereas like with yeah. black christmas we had like these like it did it the right way and didn't kind of take away from itself in anything um yeah and in, in a lot of ways lyle did the right thing in making a remake with a different name because you don't even want attention or name recognition to be given mm -hmm. to the gross disgusting human that created this uh film. yeah there is a new uh rosemary's baby it was a television mini series starring oh. zoe saldana oh cool so we did not watch that but and i saw like pretty bad reviews people were not happy with it which like i get um but i was interested because mm -hmm. zoe saldana is a black woman so <laughs> to see yeah. this whole theme come to life uh and to explore it in that very specific way would have been interesting um and i hope yeah. that it didn't like it solely swap out the actor and not understand what that does <laughs> you know like i hope it wasn't like oh we're woke just for having the existence of a black character instead of thinking like what does that mean yeah when you do? and uh, yeah also i guess it's like who created it would be mm -hmm. a good question 
uh, Agnieszka Holland. Okay. Who did Spore. Oh. We should watch that new <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, maybe we'll like it. Maybe we won't. We'll see. You can watch it for free on YouTube. So uh, I might that might be something I watch later. See how I feel. Yeah. Um, but we aren't going to talk about that one. We're going to talk about the classic one just because it like I said, it gets brought up a lot. And so we wanted to kind of tackle it because <laughs> it is like at the forefront and yeah. um, people will probably defend it. And I, you know, I get it to a degree just in like its impact on media and like the art direction, I guess, of it. But we'll get into it. Yeah. Why it's not. <laughs> also has many, many problems. Maybe so uncomfortable. This is like the least feminist film we have on this list. Yeah. I guess that's why people said things about it. Like, why are you doing that? Like, yeah. exactly. Why yeah. is a film that people always say is so important not good at it? <laughs> yeah. Why are they like, it's feminist? It's like, yeah, but no. Like, you don't know what feminist is. Feminist isn't just like, okay, yeah, life sucks for women. <laughs> Yeah, it isn't just like torture women on screen for two hours. That's they definitely because that that does happen in real life, and maybe it shouldn't be a fun movie time. You know how it is. Yeah, it's good energy here today. Next door. Yes, it's gonna be something. All right, Mm -hmm. let's hop in. So I can get. (laughs) Let me on my soapbox. Let me up here. Um, Views great. So (laughs) we're going to talk about Rosemary's Baby from 1968. Yeah, not the cool new one. Um, And this is about a young couple trying for a baby moves into an aging, ornate apartment building on Central Park West, where they find themselves surrounded by peculiar neighbors, and is directed by Roman Polanski. To which we say, ew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as we go, but just to give you a bit more synopsis of that, also it says like they're trying for a baby, but Rosemary is always considering having babies, but Guy is like, no, not until I'm like a famous person. So I don't. Know, they weren't really trying until later. Um, he wouldn't yeah. let her. Uh, don't anyway, think that all women are trying for babies at all times. Yeah, because that's all they that's are. All we are. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rosemary's baby. Um, Rosemary's baby follows Rosemary Woodhouse, uh, which she says like a million times. She always is like, "This is Rosemary Woodhouse." It's like I don't. I don't think I've ever said my whole name all the time as Mm -hmm. much as she does um but she's a young woman who moves into a new apartment with her actor husband guy woodhouse just a guy and in this apartment complex rosemary meets her neighbors that are nosy rude and loud uh older couple the castavettes and a ward of theirs terry who befriends rosemary before her ultimate uh her untimely fall out a window and that is a supposed suicide that rosemary doesn't quite buy and there's Mm. a lot where it's like rosemary's gut is like that ain't right but she's conditioned herself to not listen to that Mm -hmm. 
just like that's everything in this film uh the cassavettes bully their way into rosemary's life um her actor husband guy has been down on his luck until a freak accident uh allows him to land a leading part and this inspires guy to want to finally start a family with rosemary and this is something that she has mentioned numerous times she says like three or four would be nice uh to mrs castavet uh and they determine the day when rosemary uh will be the most fertile and mark their calendars however when the night arrives rosemary becomes intoxicated intoxicated alarmingly so and passes out and her night is filled with a horrific nightmare sequence where she is then um raped by a demon perhaps the devil himself um guy explains cheerfully in the morning when rosemary awakens to find terrible scratches on her violated body that he had gone ahead and had sex with her despite her being unconscious he just jokes about it he says it 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 made him feel like a necrophiliac (laughs) Uh, yeah uh and at first she is like upset like you when i was unconscious like i wasn't here like what are you and then that is rape (laughs) uh but there was not that word for this situation for her um it did not qualify at this time period and (laughs) um she uh eventually like brushes it off it's kind of like how could she get mad that her husband still wants her even when she's not even there um uh, so then because of this night rosemary becomes pregnant and is immediately ill and it's not the morning sickness that you'd imagine with pregnancy rosemary is completely devoid of that pregnant glow and instead looks near to death like she is sickly um she's in constant pain and although she is suspicious of her husband and his new friends she doesn't advocate for her own health um one of the few moments of feminine solidarity uh is when rosemary's friends who are otherwise absent um and i will say that isolation from your friends is a form of abuse (laughs) we just covered that so flag um but they urge her to see a different physician they tell her that it is not normal and that she looks incredibly unwell because she does she looks like she's dying um other than like her hip new haircut that guy was so rude about um they're worried for her safety and it's also clear from guy's behavior at this party that something isn't right because he's always lurking and um he's like desperate to have his eyes on ears on rosemary at all times um Thus, she reveals her struggles to someone who's not involved in the scheme. Yeah. Like all these outsiders that she's allowed into the house. And so uh, when they're asking her to go see a new physician, she responds in a panic that she will not get an abortion, to which her friends politely remind her had not even been mentioned. No one said anything about that, hon. Uh, We just said that you look sick. Um, Yeah. And when Rosemary is finally at the end of a rope and desperate enough to finally stand up for herself, the pain miraculously vanishes and Dr. Saperstein was right. Uh, There is no need to worry. And then Mm -hmm. we time jump to uh, a round and bright Rosemary happily preparing for the arrival of her baby. And as the birth becomes more imminent, uh, things begin to further unravel and she attempts to escape. But the conspiracy runs deeper than she could have imagined, Uh, (laughs) though she's like, you you question yourself, too, because it's like, how could it be this deep? Um, But it apparently is. And it results in her having the baby and 
She is then told the baby has died during childbirth. And uh, while being the only person mourning her child, she hears the cries of a baby uh, next door. She investigates that apartment and stumbles upon the cult. Uh, <laughs> there's a, a black crib holding her monstrous son, Adrian. It's her and Satan's son that will bring about the end of the world. But she is a mother at the end of the day and her instincts kick in resulting in her taking on her role happily and thus ushering in the end of the world. So that's Rosemary's baby. I saved you two hours of just like a lot of lurking and a lot of being yeah. uncomfortable. I would say a lot of the, the um, cinematography and just like the, the small apartment and the gaslighting and all that really does remind me of uh, the yellow wallpaper <laughs> where it's just like yeah. you are, um, trapped right and and you're told to believe something else so you feel like you're going insane yeah. um and that's what's happening to her so um one of the big things that i want to hop in before i even talk about specifically some of the issues i have with dubbing this film feminism uh or feminist is this idea of separating the art from the artist um because mm -hmm. yeah you can't do that so um octavia butler once said uh or wrote in a book all that you touch you change and all that you change changes you so what we do matters <laughs> and yeah. it has an impact and it has an impact on whatever it is that we're doing and also an impact on ourselves for doing it um mm -hmm. and we have discussed previously on the ghouls in some form or another this idea about separating an artist from their art like it, it, it is something that we've brought up because when we cover things that have been around for a long time we have to confront like the time period in which they are created we have to um, we also, a big part of media literacy is thinking about who's creating it because <laughs> that yeah. ultimately has an effect on how this story is told. Um, and it's also been a popular topic just out there in the world uh, with this idea of like cancel culture, which uh, doesn't really work <laughs> because no one's really actually canceled. Uh, look it up. They're all still doing and thriving and living their lives. Yeah. There's apparently no repercussions for your actions. Um it, but there's this question of can we still love and appreciate a piece of media or art that has impacted our lives individually when the creator is a POS? <laughs> so um, what I think of when I think of this is specifically all the people who made Harry Potter their entire identity. Um, and it's like what is left for them in the ashes of their beloved franchise. Uh, yeah. And it's still very profitable and that turf is beyond wealthy so when we say eat the rich we mean her too <laughs> yeah. so again there are no repercussions um and while we can't help or change the impact media had on us as growing people we can't erase the thread between the artist and the art either uh -huh. because when we create we take pieces of ourselves and input into input that into the work our lived mm -hmm. experiences our identity our worldviews influence our art um and as someone who works creative like closely with creatives every day one of the biggest lessons that i always teach um with all of the burgeoning creators is that who you are as a creator is just as important to the piece of media as the plot and the characters and everything else um yeah. because you are going to impact it. Your knowledge, your opinions, yeah. like you can't make something that's not you. <laughs> it's just not yeah. like you're going to, no matter so what you try to do. 
a problematic person that gets translated into the art. It does. Or it like it, your work can suffer from mm -hmm. not having um, all of the information, right? Mm -hmm. All of the experience to these characters that you're trying to convey. Like we were saying with like the Rosemary Baby TV show, like hoping that in making Zoe Saldana this character that we're not ignoring what that actually means, which means having to talk to people who would have that experience because uh, Agnieszka <laughs> does not have that experience. She is not a black woman. She's Polish. Um, and so it is, you know, kind of a question of that, of like looking um, and in, into what influenced it and what support they have. Like we've talked about that quite a lot. Um, yeah. And I say all of this to highlight an issue that we ha have found in this series specifically of F the Patriarchy, because only two of the films we're covering are made by women or femme folk. Uh, and we chose these films for a variety of reasons. Um, one is the subject matter, but also to discuss the influences of film and how it is so much of you and also can so easily transcend your original intentions, if you had any intentions at all, Alex Garland. Um, <laughs> so um, I want to be very clear that the director of today's film is a disgusting, terrible human being, and we do not do not endorse him in any way. And we cannot separate the art from the artist in this film. And even though this film is an adaptation of the novel of the same name by Ira Levins, both of these men have affected the work in a very specific way because they just do not have the right lens to tell this story. Yeah. Which is why Lyle <laughs> did such a great job with the materials. Um, because it was taken in a different way. It was approached in a different way um, and allowed for us to kind of combat some of the things that are missing mm -hmm. in Rosemary's Baby. So one of the biggest things <laughs> of Rosemary's Baby that I found was that there is just no feminism in this patriarchal world. Yeah. There is no hope, essentially. So this story is a patriarchal hellscape period. Uh, the yeah. ending leaves us to believe the end is upon us and that we have to watch as Rosemary continues to put others' lives before her very own, uh, just as she's been conditioned to do in this world. Um, and in an article on tour.com that I found, uh, I found this answer that I was looking for. <laughs> so I was like looking around, there's like, uh, you know, like feminist, the like feminist movie, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's not what I'm looking for. Even like looking up like abortion rights and Rosemary's baby. And I was like, she just, I don't think that's it either. Um, yeah. so I found this really great article, um, which really highlighted what I felt uh, this film, though it was dubbed feminist, is actually incredibly lacking in any feminism. Uh, so Ira Levin's Rosemary's Baby, uh, Patriarchy well, uh, Without Feminism is Hell by Noah Berlatsky. Uh, they explain that these men paint a world that is dark, grim, and utterly hopeless. And it's a defeatist approach that only exists because these men can't understand a world in which feminism exists and therefore cannot see a way out of this hell. Um, so in Rosemary's Baby, feminist consciousness is notably absent, which is part of why the novel is so bleak and terrifying. The narrative recognizes that Rosemary's fate is a diabolical, diabolically unjust, but it offers no way out, narratively or theoretically. The devil's victory is total, not because he defeats feminism, but because he rules over a world in which feminism, uh, po feminist possibilities don't exist. Um, and in our Don't Look Up episode, 
Kat had a, a really great explanation about the defeatist attitude of that film specifically that ignored the indigenous climate change activists who were actively putting in the work to stop the end of the world. And by painting such a bleak picture of the world, it diminished the hard work of those working to save the world every day. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was thinking when I was like reading that was like, that's exactly what it is, is that they can't even imagine. So in yeah. the book, uh, Rosemary is so affected by this patriarchal world that she is written even more hopeless than in the film. Uh, Noah Bertlatsky uh, goes on to say that in the book, Rosemary's colonization by patriarchy goes even beyond verbal acquiescence. Was that not it? No. Oh, no. What did I do? Is it this one? Yeah. Oh, it's, oh, they're just out of order. I got you. Sorry. Okay. Um, okay. Rosemary's colonization by patriarchy goes even beyond verbal acquiescence. Levin frames her self-betrayal as biological. Only partly conscious, she enjoys the devil's rape of her, describing the demon inside of her as playfully, uh, as painfully, wonderfully big before she orgasms. Um, <laughs> so absurd that, like, you like tell me it's written by man <laughs> tell me it was written by man if you oh my god uh ira levins and roman polanski uh succeeded in creating a horrifying hopeless world because rosemary is broken in a clear representation of the effects of the patriarchy but it like some of the other films we've covered such as men it sits unwell with us when the tale is told by a man because it feels exploitative it's putting women's pain on display like it's news ignorant to the impact it has on femme audiences and then profiting off of the story um mm. and roman polanski is no stranger to abusing femme bodies for his own pleasures so it's no surprise um yeah. but it just clearly shows that they have a lack of information and knowledge that they could paint such a bleak landscape that has no hope at all which is like not what we get with lyle <laughs> lyle we had some hope um because there is actually there's it's it's bad but we're not reduced to this i think that's the biggest thing yeah <laughs> there's something probably... you can do and they just reduce us to to these like flimsy things anyway there's just no help for the unwicked in rosemary's baby so uh going back to the film guy the neighbors and others around rosemary such as the doctor are clearly the villains of the story uh but rosemary is also a villain to herself uh rosemary prioritizes everyone else's life over her own and she tries so desperately to please others and throughout the film constantly hides or dismisses her own feelings so as to not impose on others um even though she's uncomfortable with the cast of uh immediately disliking them she still goes along with being cordial because it is expected those are her neighbors she has to be the good wife um She's performing her duties as a woman. And whenever she hints at her own opinion, Guy questions her and she quickly pushes it away. Like, no, 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 it's okay. Everything's okay. I don't want to, like, explain that I don't feel good. <laughs> like, I don't want people yeah. to care about my well-being. Like, God forbid. Um, yeah. She's, like, constantly, like, backtracking. Like, there's so many conversations where he's like, well, if you want to do that. She's like, no, 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 no. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> And it's also like to the fact that women are socialized to communicate indirectly or uh, non-confrontationally because of the ever-present threat of violence. Um, mm -hmm. And 1968, 
you knew it was worse. Um, yeah. But that that's still like a thing. And it's, it, yeah, I, I'm 100% just thought that was a helpful point. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it's like, because there, and that's like, she is this result of like what happens if patriarchy goes unchecked, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just like when, um, like we think about the patriarchy also like harms men too. Like we don't ever think mm -hmm. about that, but it's like, it harms you in ways that you're not always expecting. Right. And yeah. it's literally that she does not see herself as worth anything, mm -hmm. including the time of like her husband uh, to value her opinions and feelings. And if she yeah. speaks out of turn, then she's being bad. Mm -hmm. It makes her even more unworthy. Mm -hmm. Uh and she also like Rosemary herself was she like grew up in the church and it seemed I I don't know for sure but it seemed like she might have been like adopted or something or just came from this like kind of constrictive environment where she might feel um, even more pressure to um, be good in case she's just given up on yeah uh, like or given away trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say her only true selfish act was her haircut, which is like this rebellious shortcut that guy insults her for immediately. He says like, you didn't pay for that, did you? Uh, and the internet loves it. The internet loves her short haircut. And like every article was like, and then there's her hair. And I was like, I, it was so weird to me when it happened because she just comes in, she's been sick forever. She just comes in, she's got her hair done. And he's like, you didn't pay for that. And she's like, I got it at the place. And I'm like, why <laughs> is this happening right now? Yeah. Like, are, is this advertising? Are we getting like product placement right now for this haircut? <laughs> it was so weird. I felt like um, a yeah. Truman show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely plays into, I don't even know, like if he knew that this was a thing, but like the whole gender roles and having to present feminine femininity in the view that a man your worth is decided by if a man values you sexually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like really interesting just how she had that haircut and it, it did feel like surprising or like kind of out of place considering every other action that was taking place. Yeah. And it's also like, I um, was talking to a friend and their friend um, is pregnant again and which is lovely. Uh, but my friend was kind of concerned because she said like her friend had made this remark kind of that her husband was more attracted to her or like even just basically attracted to her when she was pregnant. Like he loved her more when she was pregnant. And so she kept getting pregnant and that's mm. not a reason to get pregnant. <laughs> like your yeah. husband should love you all the time. So that's kind of like what it feels like. It's like once she's supposed to have that pregnant glow period, she doesn't. Yeah. And now she got this short haircut that like launched this whole um, in vogue kind of look of having that short hair for women. And that's like kind of deemed like the feminist thing is like, you have the short hair, you're not what this traditional girl looks like. Uh, and she was super stylish. The whole yeah. time absolutely but um I, it was still weird <laughs> um but besides that haircut she is just an amenable woman who does as expected she wears a necklace that smells terrible and does not go with her outfits she socializes with the toxic neighbors she makes excuses for her husband literally raping her the idea of your husband being held accountable for such a thing was very fresh at that time and so didn't even occur to her like she's such a result of just the Society. world around her yeah. yeah so rosemary is no one to turn to guy does not love her 
period. And her neighbors spy and tattle. Her doctor disregards her concerns, which again, if we're going to, if we were to change her character out to be a woman of color, that'd be a whole conversation about how the medical system treats women of color and their pain. Uh, But this is just, now there's like a cult. (laughs) It's the reason instead of like, you know, that it's ingrained into our medical textbooks that black people don't feel pain in the same way. Like instead of it being like actually societal, it's like fake. (laughs) You can defeat the devil, but not the patriarchy societally and the oppressive systems that uphold it. We can't win in this room. Um, So (laughs) uh, Bashimia Magazine, I found this article titled Rosemary's Baby, Reproductive Rights and Everyday Female Horrors. The writer explains marital rape became uh, much more of an issue in the 60s since work to criminalize it became uh, began thanks to second wave feminism. In 1962, the model penal code stated that a man who has sexual intercourse with a female, not his wife, is guilty of rape if, strongly implying that it doesn't count as rape if you're married because it's not your wife. So uh-huh. you can do it anytime you want if it's your wife. So she has no idea. Um, I did see an article some, at somewhere that tried to name Rosemary Woodhouse as a feminist icon. I think that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> because what in what world? She's like so absolutely not. Um, because in the end, she allowed the end of the world to happen. Like at the end, like this is, you know, 2022 Gabe and, you know, millennial Gabe in like putting her feelings and like expectations of like how I view the world. I was just expecting her to like kill this baby. I was, I was like, Oh good. You're in there. And now you can like, you can stab them. You have the knife. Like I was like, yeah. you're not going to get out of here, but at least the end of the world doesn't happen. Like this baby doesn't matter. And like, that's just, <laughs> so I, my blissful say of being unawares and I hadn't watched her as Mary's baby before this. Uh, I was like, Oh, she's going to do it. And then she doesn't like, she lets the world, and and it's like it's not her fault of course but like it is um because it's like there's a lot that's happening and why she's doing that and the whole message is a problem um because Mm -hmm. the the cult ultimately brought about the end yes it was society and the patriarchal ideologies that allowed rosemary to get in as deep as she did um but again this is a problem of like not having any alternatives uh and to be isolated and manipulated uh to bring about the end of the world like yeah she definitely was like (laughs) she was in too deep um but the film never offers the alternative rosemary is not a final girl by any means and in the end she will not survive she has been reduced to a vessel for this creature um and i would argue has always just been a vessel for any creature even if it was a regular kid (laughs) um yeah which many states are so eager to reduce women to today, um, just vessels. Uh, When that baby no longer needs her milk or care, she'll be dispensed of. She doesn't matter. And Levins and Polanski cannot conceive of a world where women fight back and win. Uh, They find us already in too deep, and they ignore and dismiss the work of feminists and activists everywhere because patriarchy without feminism is truly hell. Yeah. And that's my, that's all I got to say. Nice. (laughs) And it's like, so a few things. One, I think they said her name so much because it's kind of like Handmaid's Tale and that they're of the person they're married to. That's why she said Woodhouse every Mm -hmm. single time. Like what was her name before that? Yeah. She, she did not exist before her 
marriage name. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my theory. That's a good one. <laughs> and also the reason why, as you were saying, is that like the writer and Polanski also did not view her as a person. Mm-hmm. They viewed her as a vessel, which is uh, specifically very evident in who Polanski was as a person. Um, so of course, of course, uh, Rosemary is reduced to a nothingness they're Mm -hmm. not a person they are a vessel because that's literally how the director viewed women actually yeah i mean she's just like a representation of the audience because this is supposed to be a film for women right like men aren't going in there and being like wow this is my favorite film like that's like if anything they are because they're like oh the art director like they're totally missing the point like this is supposed to be a film for women (laughs) like or just like allies in that way and so you go into that and you are like you go into rosemary right she is a shell that you're supposed to occupy while you're watching and he has essentially told us this is what you are you're a vessel for the end of the world and you can you can't do anything about it yeah you're only what we need you to be yeah and i mean that's what society thinks of women now (laughs) As much as they did in the 1960s, um, just slightly more subtly. Um, (laughs) And maybe not even subtly. Uh, Yeah. It's just like a fun time. Um, But yeah, should I? I'll get into my life. Yeah, go ahead. Take it away. Um, So (laughs) lots of really stressful things happen in this film. Uh, Obviously, we said like Boson, who created it as well as what takes place on screen. It ultimately ties back to horror's overarching issue of using women's bodies and minds as a staging ground to enact their effed up fantasies of violence, gore, and torture on screen. Um, There are countless issues showcased in this film, so finding resources for this was a little challenging because it really does touch on, like, everything Mm -hmm. for the most part, um, including, like, sexual assault, domestic violence, patriarchal oppression, and more. Um, A big piece of what was really stressful about this film, other than the overt violence against Rosemary, was the consistent gaslighting she received throughout. Um, In addition, an additional point of stress was the film's decision to, like, thoroughly embrace the not-all-men narrative um, in the character of Hutch. Mm taking it the additional next step in stance that good men will be weeded out and murdered uh because that's what they do to him um Mm -hmm. and that for survival good men should instead be like dr hill masquerading as a safe person until it is no longer convenient for them yeah like look what can happen to you Mm -hmm. like don't help exactly and i think like if the film is conveying a message to the audience that was the goal Mm mm-hmm in a lot of ways it was if men are watching let them know that they should not be speaking up for women if women are watching let them know how little they matter because that's how Um, hopeless it is mm -hmm. um so essentially these men and the women in the film who benefit from rosemary's subjugation in the film see rosemary as a vessel to their future goals and not as an actual person um and that as we've been saying this is largely a reflection of how society during this time period, but also arguably currently, view women and their bodies. Um, As Gabe kind of mentioned, uh, where Guy views his wife as a vessel for his success, the other characters see Rosemary as a vessel for the spawn of Satan, a vessel for a child. Her personhood to the larger group is determined by whether or not she decides to embrace that role of being a mother, and her life only of value if she chooses to stay in that role, choose being Mm. loose. Um, because there was not much of a choice. Uh, 
this is very much how society currently views women and can be seen in the laws being passed in reference to the acts, attacks against Roe v. Wade and other legislation aiming to disenfranchise and subjugate women. Um, Rosemary's personhood to Guy didn't exist at all. Um, mm -hmm. To Guy, Rosemary is his idea of her and who she actually is doesn't matter to him and clearly didn't matter to the director or the person who wrote this book. Um, Guy and men like him are a part of why, one, the divorce rate is so high in heteronormative relationships mm -hmm. because no one wants to be with someone who doesn't recognize their personhood. Um, and because of patriarchal oppression, men often fulfill that role. Um, as we see in the film and in other films like it, uh, women do enact patriarchal violence as well if they're benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. So if we think of white feminism versus intersection intersectional feminism, um, or like in Black Christmas, the new one, mm -hmm. where the girl and, helped. Yeah, exactly, because she felt she was protected in this patriarchal society when no women are safe in a patriarchal society, mm -hmm. even the ones who uphold it. Um, yeah. that's, that's even a plot theme in Handmaid's Tale, and yeah, I'm sure countless other things, um, where the entire ploy of getting access of upholding patriarchal standards is because they want to benefit in the same way white men benefit. Yeah. And they, so they can't have to that power. Yeah. Um, but ultimately in a patriarchal oppressive society, they will never have access to that power. It's just ultimately a long game manipulation ploy mm -hmm. upheld by men. <laughs> so it. fun. Um, so the reason a relationship like Guy and Rosemary's even exists uh, or existed um is only because there was no other option because there was not a choice. There was the illusion of choice, but not an actual choice. Mm -hmm. um, and Who is she without him? Exactly. Uh, they did not give her an identity. Um, and I think people often forget, it's kind of similar to the way that they historicalize where they're like, this was so long ago. They do that with uh, black history. They do that with like slavery. They do that with civil rights where they're like, this was forever ago. Everything's fine now. Mm -hmm. When the reality is so much of this historical context happened recently. Like the 1960s was a while ago, but it was not that long ago. Mm -hmm. um, so for people are still alive. Yeah, they're still <laughs> There are still humans like, that exist that were like, I was there when that happened. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> before context, uh, the Marital Property Act of 1967, which gave married women the same property rights as their husband, went into effect January 1st, 1968. That is the same year this film came out. Um, discrimination was openly acceptable and not illegal at all until 1967. Um, Roe v. Wade did not take place until 1973. Uh, so it's also the, absurd that she mentioned a, a abortion. Well, she yeah, because abortion existed, just safe abortion didn't exist. Yeah. Um, from a familial history thing, my grandma was alive and in need of an abortion before it was legal. And her grand, my great grandmother had to drive her to Mexico to get it done. Wow. It was like a really traumatic event for her yeah. in her life. Um, oh so like, it was not legal until 1973. Like my grandma's no longer alive, but she died fairly young. Mm -hmm. So if she was healthier, she would have been alive to this point. Um, yeah. As if that was just like a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so that is something that's fairly recent. The seventies was of like a collection of years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Women couldn't get credit cards in their own name until 1974. Oh Spousal God. rape was not criminalized in all 50 states until 1993. That was the year I was born. Um, sexual Sex discrimination was not outlawed in health insurance until 2010. Oh, my God. Um, and there was a long list of things. I kind of just pulled the ones that were most upsetting, like, in my face and ones that were like the most easy to understand. Cause there were also a handful that were like pretty convoluted in their description. Um, mm-hmm. but I do link the sources in the blog that I'm going to be talking about in a minute. Um, as well as like the reference points to where I got that information and the fact checking that took place around mm-hmm. that. As my last little tidbit of information, women weren't allowed to serve in combat positions in the military until 2013. Today, we have still never had a woman president. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who's like, it's not that bad. Like, we've literally still never run this country. Yeah. How can you say oppression doesn't exist? If it did, there would be a long history of women leadership, specifically at the highest office that we have available in our country. And that has never taken place. We had our first woman vice president like a few years ago Mm -hmm. so like it's not a lot of like a lot they like try to show pictures and like black and white and be like that was forever ago it was like yesterday and it still exists and that's why we need to actively be like working to fight it um so for to like get kind of into the resources end of my section um in this episode my resources my resource section was centered on a little bit of everything because this film kind of was an amalgamation of issues, um, including uh, I'll link back to our episodes where we discuss uh, abortion resources, sexual assault and domestic violence resources, as well as like the other things that we've covered in the F the Patriarchy series, um, as they're all somewhat relevant in this film, uh, Mm -hmm. as well as just kind of always. But a lot of my resources specifically speak on intersectional feminism and future BIPOC and LGBTQIA-led feminist perspectives, because there is no freedom without all of us being free. So leading with those perspectives is essential. Um, Roxanne Gay says it best in their TED Talk, which I do have linked below. I reject the mainstream feminism that has historically ignored or deflected the needs of women of color, working class women, queer women, and transgender women in favor of supporting white, middle, and upper class straight cisgender women. Listen, if that's good feminism, I am a bad feminist. Um, and the ghouls reject any feminism does not that does not include and rally for BIPOC and LGBTQIA women and gender nonconforming communities. And we think you should too. Um, as We've said uh, many times before, racist, homophobes, TERFs, and any other kind of bigoted, (laughs) hate-filled humans aren't welcome here. Um, This is not for you, and that's okay. Yeah. Exit stage left. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So in taking in the resources in this blog too, I recommend like the following be considered uh, because it's led largely by BIPOC and LGBTQIA women and non-gender conforming communities. Um, 
it's important to compensate those people. Um, if you are specifically a white person like myself, uh, I specifically implore you to recognize that the BIPOC emotional and physical labor, labor that went into creating many of the resources that I have listed in this blog should be financially compensated if you have the means. Um, I'll do my best to organize the ways to provide compensation in the blog as I find them, as well as places you can donate to support causes that support women, but also support BIPOC communities. Um, this includes buying books listed digitally, supporting Ko-fi's, Patreons, Venmo's, GoFundMe's, etc. Um, if you read through this blog and notice a source you personally utilize but is not listed, or if you know a person who created any of these resources below, but notice that there isn't a link to provide financial compensation to its creator, definitely send us an email at thegoolsnextdoor at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. um, as I've said in previous episodes, I'll be updating these resources over time. So if you're looking at this tomorrow at 8 a.m. when it is fresh off the presses, or I don't know what time we're posting this, but like if you look at it right when it is posted, um, take it at face value because it's going to be continually updated with time. Um, and it, I'm hoping it'll kind of turn into this thing that can be actively looked at and be like a call to action and resource share for days to come, months to come, years to come. Um, I want it to like be a usable document. Um, so I'll be updating this over time. But if you know any resources that you think would be of use uh, to be included in this blog and our other F the Patriarchy blogs, or if you're like looking through our blog, we get emails for that sometimes. And you're like, I think this resource that I know about would be really helpful here. Um, let us know. Um, you can email us. You can comment, tag us, and we'll do our best to update uh, our information. Additionally, I've done like my best to vet each resource as much as possible, but if you catch something I didn't, please do not hesitate to let us know so it can be removed if necessary. Um, as someone who works in an industry that actively quality checks content before it goes out, it's happened many times where things will pass through publishers, graphic designers, and authors before they even hit my desk, and mistakes will still pop up even after being quality checked by like 20 people. Mm -hmm. um, like the last person will still notice that there's a mistake that all those other people miss just because that happens sometimes. So for ghouls, it is just me and Gabe. Uh, so if you notice something we missed, please tell us and know we are genuinely doing the best we can with the current resources we have available. Hopefully one day we'll have even more humans that occupy the ghoul space and can do this kind of stuff too. Um, so a lot of the resources that I have on here, I'll kind of outline each one. Uh, one that I just thought was helpful was how to recognize and stand up to gaslighting. So I have two links there. Um, I also just provide like the historical sources and context that I referenced and kind of the one-off spits of all the horrible things that have happened historically and currently. Um, there are a lot more things on that list, so I recommend taking a look. Uh, it is a Wikipedia article. Um, I also link to our resources on sexual assault and abortion access that we created in our previous episode, as well as um, the domestic violence resources and methods to like make safety plans, et cetera. And I recommend checking out those episodes. Um, there were a handful of things that I found really interesting. It made me want to read. Um, so there is things you can add to your reading list. Some books do repeat on various lists, but there are a lot of books on just intersectional feminism um, and like things that are impactful in the feminist space. So there are three links there that are hopefully very helpful and honestly make me want to read better. Um, I don't read very often like books. I can read online things all the time, but mm -hmm. 
books are hard because neurodivergent, but it made me really want to get on it. Gabe reads all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But it is something that, yeah, it it was a really cool list and we want to get a lot of those books. So we recommend them to you as well. Um, There was also blogs and news sources to follow. So there is My Body is Not an Apology, the POC Online Classroom, Intersectional Feminism. Um, That specific resource provides a lot of free access to reading materials. So as I kind of said before, please provide financial compensation to the authors listed if you have the means to do so. Um, Obviously, this exists as an online classroom to educate and teach. So use it, but also recognize that a lot of labor went into creating that list, I'm sure, um, and all the resources that went in it. So it is the right thing to do to make sure that people are compensated for their labor. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Girl Dangerous is another blog, women's major group, Center for Constitutional Rights uh, that offers a lot of resources on sexual and gender-based violence, but also Women's History Month resources. Um, there's a, a really cool resource that I found that was called Trans Days of Resilience. And it was kind of like this art blog and poetry blog that was kind of just like a happier resource. It was less like the world Mm. is horrible and like people exist and are creating wonderful things and there's ways to support them. So they have a zine called Trans People Exist in the Future, Art and Poetry Celebrating Trans Resilience that Mm. looked really cool. Um, There is a It's 2022 is your feminist feminism intersectional on gender avenger it's like a little it's not like a quiz but it's kind of like an overview for you to kind of self-evaluate um Mm -hmm. if your feminism is intersectional and they actually have a cool resource on their website that allows you to kind of check people in real life um so like if you attend a conference and you want to know that it claims to be a feminist conference, but it's all white feminists, or there's a lot of men there, despite the fact it's a feminist conference, mm-hmm. um, or you're just at an education conference and the people who they're talking about helping aren't at the table in the administration, in the speakers, et cetera. It, it gives this like tracking tool of ways you can kind of like document that and share it out as a point of activism. So I just thought that was a really cool tool that sounds like it could be pretty useful. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a disorient, a new resource for intersectional feminist thought, education, and activism. And there's also just like a handful of other resources. Uh, I also list a lot of things you can watch. So depending on your learning style, resources can only, as I said, I'm not great at reading books, but I can read articles for days. I can watch YouTube videos for days. Um, I can listen to podcasts. So I have a section that's things to watch, listen to. Um, I was not able to screen every single one of these before we recorded this because they're each an hour plus long, but they seemed pretty promising. I did listen to some of them. Um, so just a handful of the one, that a name that popped out a lot was Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, they have a talk on race, gender, inequity, and intersectionality at Brown University, as well as a TED Talk on the urgency of intersectionality. Um, there's also Roxane Gay, who I quoted earlier. Their entire TED Talk is listed here. Um, Janelle Monet has a cool song uh, that is a lyric video. What's more than cool? Uh, it's about say her name, and it's about black women that have been, or BIPOC women who have been impacted by police violence, murdered by police violence. Etc. And it's just kind of like a really powerful song and visual portrayal of all of that. Um, and Kimberly Crenshaw also has a podcast on why intersectionality matters that 
Um, they have an episode as recently as May 2022. So it is currently going. Um, I also list re resources uh, for patients. So in that, there's like a wealth of resources, specifically pregnancy loss resources for indigenous communities, breast cancer resources for indigenous communities, gynecology and breast cancer resources, transgender support resources, reproductive justice resources, and patient rights during gynecology appointments, um, considering the way in which one in this film we saw, but that gynecologist visits can be dangerous if done by someone who doesn't recognize someone's personhood. It is important to know how to active advocate for yourself. So that is a resource that can kind of point you in that direction. Um, I also specifically found a really cool website. It's called Point of Pride, um, and they list specific resources for transgender, gender queer, non-binary, gender fluid, gender non-gender non-conforming folks um, who exist under the non-cis identity of the trans umbrella, and they have resources where you can apply for surgery funds, hormone replacement therapy funds, electrosis support funds, free chest binders, and free femme shapewear. Um, which just seems like a really great resource to share out within this conversation. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to list petitions. There's nothing in there yet, but I will. Um, and then I just list a lot of organizations you can donate to. Obviously, that is to your decision making. Um, as well as I tried to, as best as I could, link back to some of like the videos or blogs that I found, uh, specific individuals who create those works and ways you can support their work. Um, and last but not least, uh, resources for healthcare professionals serving intersectional women and gender non-conforming communities, um, specifically BIPOC Women's Health for Professionals. They list a lot of resources. Um, similarly, they had one for patients. This is mental health and prenatal period for newcomers, how to make your practice inclusive for LGBTQIA and BIPOC folks, addressing intergenerational transmission of trauma in Black women and with trauma-informed care, ensuring cultural safety and relationships, and a trans health primer that is available for like medical practitioners who are looking to make their spaces more inclusive. So you're not Dr. Hill calling mm -hmm. the dangerous doctor in to come get Rosemary because you think she lost her mind. Like You can instead be an advocate for your patients um, because just because you may not understand their lives, their personhood still exists, whether or not you think so or not. So mm -hmm. it is good to make the adequate advocacy efforts to make your space a safe space. And if you do not consider the personhood of individuals who don't align with your specific identity, um, you should do some self-evaluation because that's a serious problem. Yeah. And also like asking yourself, like, should I be the one handling this? Yeah, Same thing is like, should these men be making these stories? <laughs> exactly. Um, and I get it. Some people got a whole medical degree. They went there for eight years, but or however long medical degree, degrees take and how much <laughs> money they cost. I get it. But if you're going to yeah. exist in the space, at least don't be damaging. Mm -hmm. And also recognize when you maybe shouldn't exist in the space. Yeah. Find a different career. Make space for other people instead and lift them up. 
easier platforms um which is what we're doing so (laughs) definitely support check out all the resources uh leave us comments and emails on your with your thoughts um if this is like your favorite film ever i'm sure there's (laughs) a good reason like with regards to cinematography or it is like really suspenseful it makes you uncomfortable and maybe you learned from it and i think that's great for you um love that but we didn't love it. <laughs> now I want to watch yeah. that show to see how uh, Agnieszka did it. So, um, yeah, interested. Uh, but if you were disappointed with Rosemary's Baby, if you'd watched it and you didn't get what the whole deal was, and we can relate to that, then we highly, highly recommend Lyle as a great alternative. It's short and it is just as suspenseful and it will mm-hmm. you know tug at your heartstrings and make you feel things um and it keeps you on that that quest the entire time yeah and there's hope yes so that part's and there's cool. hope spoilers um, yeah and if you're like an activist and you're out there doing the thing and you want us to tell people about you let us know please do Please do. Yeah. Um, if you're an organization and uh, you need support in that way too, you want to highlight some of the programs, let us know. We want to support you. And um, yeah, we have two more episodes left in our F the Patriarchy series, and then we're going to be going and doing something else. Um, so <laughs> very excited to move on. Stop being so depressed. Uh, yeah. Although I don't think that's ever going to happen. We're always depressed on this All show. of our series is end up in some way being the f the patriarchy f the capitalism f the race it uh, ends up all f all the oppressive systems yeah yeah so it does (laughs) even when we're like let's be happy for a little bit we usually end up being like oh there it is again yeah yeah (laughs) even when we do horror movie musicals you're like oh This is upsetting. Yeah. I mean, that just comes with the territory. And kind of like what Roxanne Gay was saying, right? If like, if not talking about those issues and really highlighting the power of horror um, makes, is, is like, if like not talking about it is good film analysis and podcasting, then we're bad podcasters. And that is fine. <laughs> like, we're yeah. going to be that. Um Yeah. And I will say this, as far as, like, uh, you know, news of, like, horror's impact that made me very excited was uh, the news about Rod Sterling and what influenced him to create Twilight Zone was that he wanted to talk about Emmett Till, and they censored him. And so he created an entire phenomenal show about society and the problems that were occurring in this way that was more digestible to the audience and that could go under the radar can be and also for all the people who were really upset of how woke the new <laughs> twilight zone was under uh the helm of jordan peele uh that just makes so much sense that he is the successor of this uh <laughs> entire yeah. series um given what started it all um so yeah it was always woke it's kind of like people who get mad at watchmen yeah the new one for being and it was like always anti-capitalist yeah it's like people right? don't Isn't understand. Similar? 
<laughs> it's like people don't understand like um when again they put their their punisher sticker on their car and it has the thin blue line and it's like you didn't read those the did punisher you? hated cops like yeah you didn't do that it's fine yeah. um again and like i said uh we are very clear about what kind of show we are and what our values are and we have no um qualms about saying that yeah. so if you're if you don't like it you can leave you do yeah. not have to watch this. <laughs> I choose to add a media literacy film category, like film review category, because it doesn't. That's why we're listed under film review, because there isn't a category for what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they make one, cool. But until then, if you don't like it, like let us know, I guess, uh, but within reason. Um, okay. You can just leave. Yeah. And if you are liking it, please uh, like and subscribe. Definitely let us know that you're out there. Uh, support us. We have our own coffee account uh, and more. So definitely let us know how you're feeling. And um, we hope you enjoyed this episode and the the next two as well. Uh, I think the ne- I think next episode is going to be really fun. And uh, don't get married. Delete your kids. Or your kids bring about the end of the world.